if there's ever a time where we needed to pull together as believers of Christ and, and unite and try to strengthen and make the world a better place, it's now. Mm-hmm. And that, that sounds like he's yeah. preaching our message. <laughs> there's one body, one church, one spirit, one hope. The realities of the faith, the realities that unify us are already there. Christ prays for unity. What should we all be praying for? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the one prayer request of Jesus. Think about it in the Bible that we actually have a say in whether or not it comes to fruition or not. I think in what God has done in you guys and uh, in this podcast and the, the multitude of folks that you're reaching, the diversity, whatever God intended when he's, when you started this, he's able to bring it to completion. All right. Welcome back to the Whole Church Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Joshua Knoll. Here's your other co-host, TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwood. Huh. Why is it just time? Why is it never we love no comment. All right. So today we're going back to our series where we're going over major disputed things in the Bible, and we will be talking about the flood and different beliefs different people have about the flood, what we can still believe and be united, and what we can't disagree about, which turns out quite a bit when it concerns the flood. Um, real quick, we want to review a couple of people's answers to a silly question. Uh, we've answered the silly question already, told you all some of the people's answers concerning what would be other than red. The color you'd pick for a fire truck. So since then, this is just a very important update. Gwen Williams said yellow, to which our friend Matt Solomon said, "Yeah, I volunteered in a yellow fire truck and posted a picture of it." Yeah. So it turns out the uh, everyone who said yellow was correct, and if you didn't say yellow, sorry, try again next time. Yeah. Okay. So that being said, today's silly question, TJ. Just for me and you. Put a lot of thought into this. If you were stuck on a boat, and all of a sudden a vampire outbreak happened, how would you fight off vampires on a boat? So, like, on a cruise liner? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, like, I'm not alone on the boat. No, you're surrounded with vampires. Okay. I mean, probably, do I have to survive on the boat? I think I'd just leave. I, think I'd just I mean, the boat's in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, I think I'd take a life raft and leave. Ah, okay. That's solid. I didn't think of that. Mm-hmm. See, my immediate thought process was if we're on a cruise line, there's probably garlic in the kitchen. Yeah. I can make it there. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking there's plenty of things like oars and stuff that I could break and kind of function into like a wooden state. Sure. Yeah. That was my thought process. Yeah. Are you going to kill the whole cruise line? I was just going to you know, wait up and kill anything that came towards me. Thought it would work out. Sure. Yeah, your idea makes more sense, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that was today's silly question. So are you ready to jump into our actual discussion for the day? I guess we can. Cool, cool, cool. So before we go any further, uh, I, I think it's important to remind everybody some stuff about this series. Um, so we're not here to settle what is true or not true concerning the story of the flood. Our goal is to discuss, can we be united and disagree? And what things do we have to agree on to be united as Christians? We can still have peace with people who disagree about some things. But that doesn't mean we can't have Christian unity. If you don't believe some things, you can't be a Christian. And uh, we'll cover quite a bit of those today in the flood. Um the flood is where you see a lot of these other beliefs we've been talking about in this series come together 
So it's important for you guys to be familiar about the other things we talked about. So maybe jump over and listen to some of those episodes. Do you have a list of what those episodes are, DJ, that are part of this series? Uh, yeah. So, so far, the episodes are uh, 57, uh, Murder, Mark O'Kane, and Jealousy Tall. Episode 44, Sin, Death, and Sports Tall. Uh, episode 42, The What, How, and Now of Scripture Tall. Episode 41, Weaponry, Creation, and Geology Tall. And Episode 40, Zombies, Biblical Literism, Literalism, and New Series Tall. Yeah. And episode 42 was, weirdly enough, one of the only episodes that we've done without TJ. Mm-hmm. And it's the one that we talked some about the inspiration of scripture. And it's one where I feel like we need to go back over to make sure people know. Because obviously a lot of people didn't listen because TJ wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So we need to remind them. So what, what can we tell them about how the Bible was inspired in the church history behind all that? Yeah. So historically, uh, the early church mainly held to two views on how God inspired scripture, uh, it was either mechanical dictation or dynamic inspiration. Uh, mechanical dictation is the belief that God gave word for word uh, what the human authors wrote down. Yeah. Uh, some people believed it went farther than that, that God took control of the author's bodies and wrote through them. Yeah, so it was literally God doing it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Many biblical literalists still think that. They still yeah. believe that happens. There's some version of that, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, there are other beliefs that biblical literalists hold to, some of these mm-hmm. other inspirations. Mm-hmm. They're not stuck to that idea. Yeah. The other was uh, dynamic inspiration, uh, was the belief that God worked with the human author so that each thought came from God, but the choices in word uh, were left to the human authors. So it was just and a literal inspiration of the author. It's like, oh man, I have to write this down. How do yeah. I write this? Yeah. Which, um, well, we'll get into some, some examples of that later on in the episode. Yeah. So then, um, I'm trying to remember one, one of the saints, I remember, believed very strongly about mechanical dictation. I can't remember their name, but I know Saint Origin, Origin was one who said that God is a God, he quoted the scripture, says God's not a God of confusion. So a lot of pagan scriptures were written by people convulsing and being taken control of. And he said, no, our God is one who just sends such clarity that the authors know. And they write out of the knowledge that God sent them through the spirit of truth, basically. And uh, St. Hippolytus was uh, the other one. Okay. That's a big defender of mechanical inspiration. So, modern scholarship with uh, both criticism brought evidence that the scriptures seem to contradict themselves at times, or each other at times. Yeah, which, obviously, a lot of the older people knew that. It was mm-hmm. just kind of a, kind of brought to the fore. That evidence seems to suggest that there were people who went and edited the scripture before we had what we see today. And so, this scholarship has led to the popularity of the intuition inspiration and the partial inspiration views. Uh, Intuition inspiration is the belief that the authors of the Bible were simply men of religious genius who intuited the world, the word of God. Uh, And then partial inspiration is the belief that God inspired the principles, morals, and practices of the Bible, but the history and science of the Bible may include errors. Yeah, basically, those parts were made up by the people, but God inspired the actual 
point it, of it. Yeah. Puts in room for human error because we are human. Yeah. Which we discussed on episode 42, the length of how united we can be with people who take some of these different views. We won't discuss that here since we've talked about it on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. But it is important that you understand what those four views are because that will impact how you view the flood. Obviously, if you think that God physically controlled the author, you're going to believe that the flood was exactly what it says it was. But if you believe some of these other views of inspiration, you might come to a different conclusion. Yeah. Um, that being said, uh, you mentioned biblical criticism, and we've talked about it before on the podcast, but it is important to note that what, what that is basically is a lot of, you know, scholars or, you know, so-called scholars, whatever you want to say, from either archaeology or mostly literary scholars took the Bible, evaluated it from what we actually know of history and what we, and evaluating it as a piece of literature, not necessarily as the word of God. And that's how they came to those latter two views of inspiration that TJ mentioned, Mm -hmm. the intuition and uh, partial inspiration. Yeah. So that's what biblical criticism is. If you want to know more about it again, make sure you listen to episode 42. Also, 42 is my favorite number. Fun fact. Yeah. Okay. That being said, we we mentioned this last time we last time on the series. We have a Facebook group of some of our previous guests and a couple other people where we ask them some of the topics we're going to talk about on the podcast. And we call that our think tank. Mm-hmm. So this is our think tank segment. So recently uh, in our think tank, you know, coming up to this video, uh, we asked everyone about their V1 inspiration. Uh, you know, mechanical dictation, dynamic inspiration, partial inspiration, and then the intuition theory. Uh, six of them answered, and uh, they all said they affirmed dynamic inspiration. Yeah. And mind you, what I find really interesting about that is that within those six people, I won't say who they all were because I don't remember off the top of my head, mm-hmm. but I know there was a Catholic vote in there. I know there was an Orthodox mm-hmm. vote in there. Pretty yeah. And the rest were various Protestant believers. So it's cool that, at least within our group, we kind of have the same understanding of how Bible the Bible was inspired. So that's really cool. And uh, the Greek Orthodox priest, uh, he said, if the unpolished and unrefined qualities of some of the New Testament authors, Greek is any indication, I would say God works within the capabilities of the person writing. Thus, it is likely more synergy than directing when it comes to divine revelation. I think he's making fun of St. Peter. I think he is, too. <laughs> but, uh, you know, in an evidentiary way, which I guess isn't here. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if God wrote it, it wouldn't have been this bad. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, God's grammar's got to be better than this, right? Yeah. I mean, I would assume so. <laughs> uh, so, we asked the same group, the think tank, about the flood how large they thought the flood was, yeah. whether it was uh, the global flood, a uh, regional flood, or other, and we let them type out what other was. Yeah. And uh, six more? Did 12 yeah. people vote? Six, six people voted. Not all of them were the same people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of them were, though. Yeah. Uh, so three of those people said it was a global flood. It was the whole planet. Two people said it was a regional flood, and then one person said other, and, uh... Yeah. 
other, in this case, ended up being a literary understanding, which we will also talk about later on in the episode. So, yeah. Those are basically the three main views. So, uh, Pastor Chris Galloway, one of our friends. Yeah, good friend of the podcast. Right. He said, Whole Earth, you know, no literalist. Chris yeah. Galloway. Shocker there. <laughs> he said, My point of view comes from my belief that God left us a Bible full of truth without errors or fairy tales. When we search for answers that God has already answered, it creates confusion in our world that can lead us astray. Uh, trust God's word and take it for what it says, and your life will be full because of it. Uh, my mentor said it best. God said what he meant, and he meant what he said. And uh, I believe then he put up the peace sign emoji. Yeah. Which, Not naturally. He I loves can't that. speak that. He loves that emoji. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so these are all quotes from what our previous guests mm-hmm. and different people had said about the flood story. And, uh, then we had Michaela Deegan, who also voted Holder, uh, said that it has been said that Antarctica could not possibly have all that ice it doesn't snow enough for all that ice to be everywhere. It's believed that the flood caused that ice to happen over time because things began to shift around. Maybe it's far-fetched, but I believe that the flood happened on the Earth and she means all over the Earth. Yeah. She also suggests people look up answers in Genesis. Yeah, that's the king. Why can't I think of the guy's name? You, you know, that flood guy. That's his stuff. No, I don't know. Bill Nye and Ken somebody debated. Ken Hall? No. Someone will know listening to this. They'll think I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. It'll be fun. And uh, one of our regional votes, uh, Pastor Kelly O'Sullivan, he said, uh, the way that Genesis 6 through 9 is written seems to indicate a flood that covered the known world. Uh, the nations and regions later laid out in Genesis 10 in the Table of Nations, primarily in the Mediterranean uh, and North Africa, uh, etc. Described as the whole earth in Genesis 9.19, which he uses to say, you know, that was the whole earth at the time. Same author said whole earth then, and that's what they meant. The language of the original text doesn't make a global flood necessary. It can easily be a catastrophic regional flood that impacted the entirety of mankind, especially if the human population was small, which it would have been 4,000 years ago. Yeah. At the point, not very long after creation. Right. And uh, he said, I'm honestly open to other interpretations of scripture, but the regional flood account seems more likely from a geological standpoint. Uh, so I would lean more in that direction. And our one other voter, and uh, I, you know, I don't mean the other voter, I mean the <laughs> voter who voted other. Yeah, one person who voted for, quote, other. In we quote. Had Father Jonathan. He said, because I'm okay with metaphor as a theological medium, even when the storms and floods of this world surround us, God is our salvation. That does not mean that the literal reading is not also true, however. Yeah. So he's open to, you know, any amount of flood. Yeah, it's like, yeah, whatever. That's not the point. Yeah. yeah. So... We wanted to read uh, Genesis 6, 1 through 8. Oh, so, so that's the end of the thing thing? Uh, yeah. Ah, cool. That's the end of the thing thing. So we wanted to read Genesis 6 through 8. 6, 1 through 8. And, uh, Genesis 6 reads, uh, Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land, 
and daughters were born to them, uh, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Uh, then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he is also flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. And uh, yeah, did you see a few years ago, uh, there was a story about a group of U.S. soldiers that found a Nephilim alive in a cave? Like an actual Nephilim? Mm-hmm. Alive, yeah. No. Yeah, it killed a few of them. And then hit. Like legitimately? Yeah, well, it's a story. It's yeah. unverified. Yeah. But it's pretty interesting to read. Everyone should go look it up. Anyway, no, I did not do that. That's... Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, we'll pick back up at Genesis 6. Uh, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on earth, and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals, to creeping things, and to birds of the sky. For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And, you know, that leads to the whole, hey, Noah, build the boat. Yeah. I don't want you to drown. Is that, is that what you do for people you have favor? Yeah. Hey, man, look at my rain, uh, build the boat. Yeah. Hey, watch out. <laughs> man, so there, there's a lot to unpack there, right? Mm-hmm. Bet, but we're not going to go through the meaning of the passage necessarily. Right. We want to talk about... Where do people disagree? Why do they disagree? And is it okay that they disagree? And that is from the NASB translation. Yeah, the best translation. I thought that was CSB. Nope. Oh, okay. Huh. Anyway, so, that being said, there's three main views on the flood, right? Yeah. Which would be... yours and his. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That would be the global flood, a regional flood, and then there is the literary view, right? Which, um, what can you tell them about that view? Uh, well, so, the idea of the global flood, which I believe is the most predominant, it yeah. seems to be the one everyone attaches themselves to, Yeah, is exactly what it sounds like, the idea that it rained for 40 days on everything, and that the entire planet was just underwater for, you know, months and some days. Yeah. Which, you know, has some biblical backing. Because the Bible says that. The Bible says yeah. that happened. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know what else to say about it. It was wet. It was probably <laughs> cold. Yeah. Yeah. Which, um, we'll, we'll get it, we'll get it more in a second. But what's, what's the idea of the regional flood? Where, where does that come from? So the idea of the regional flood comes from that part in Genesis. I believe it's Genesis 9. Yeah. 10, where he says, he refers to the whole earth and, and is defines to the known world because to them that is the whole earth. It's like how people used to think the world was flat or how people used to think the sun revolved around the earth. You know, these yeah. things change. Yeah. And naturally there's some confusion with this, right? Like it would be as if, if I, which I probably do this a lot actually, where if I were to talk to TJ and, you know, be like, yeah, Captain America is really cool. Keep talking about Captain America for a while. You know, Captain America, Miles Morales. And then he has to think, wait a minute, a lot of those things he said about Captain America was 
clearly not Miles Morales. The Spider-Man, first off. Mm-hmm. Who is that? Sam Wilson's who I was meant to say. Yeah. But, yeah, that's the new Captain America. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of it, he'd be like, well, Sam Wilson wasn't in World War II, but he said Captain America then. So did he mean Sam Wilson? Because that's what he defined Captain America as. Or did he mean Steve Rogers? Because that's who was in World War II. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what's happening here. Right. Is the author said, the whole Earth. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, it means the whole Earth. And then later the author went, yeah, you know, the whole Earth. These areas. Yeah. Defined like this. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. So what is it? Yeah. Yeah. I believe even uh, Galileo Galilei would yeah. say, you know, the universe and only refer to our solar system out to Neptune. Which is stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, not to leave out the other people, there is the literary perspective. Right. Which is that the story wasn't necessarily meant literally. Well, that's literary and literal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Anyway. Literarily and literally. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't necessarily meant literally, but it was a piece of literature meant to depict a certain point. Um, they use some contradictions in the text to kind of point to that. Uh, yeah. What, uh, do you have the chapters and verses that, where those contradictions occur, TJ? Uh, yeah. So, evidence for this belief. It comes from Genesis 6, 19, 19 through 20, uh, Genesis 7, 2 through 3, and Genesis 7, 4, Genesis. Genesis 7, 4 through 8, 14. Okay. Yeah. Hey guys, we just wanted to take the time to thank all of our listeners and to let you know all the ways you can help us keep the show going. <laughs> hey TJ, that's going to take too long. Okay, uh, can you tell them all the ways they can support us in 10 seconds or less? I can try. All right, uh, follow us on social media, any social media. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Every dollar counts. And you join our newsletter by emailing us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. And they wouldn't have to hear this break at all if they simply joined our Patreon, like you've said, at patreon.com forward slash thewholechurchpodcast. That probably wasn't in fact included. Probably not. I don't know. Should, should we get back to the show? Yes. So... And what, what they say will be, there's parts of the story where it says, he brought all the animals in by two. And then there's parts that say, well, he brought this by seven, and he brought this by this many, and the different numbers. And then there's parts of the story that says, this amount of time occurred. And then there's parts of the story that said, no, actually, it was this amount of time. It is very confusing if you read those passages, which we encourage you to do if you're going to be thinking about this story seriously. Um, naturally, literalists will kind of explain that as... They were just expanding, you know, he said two of each kind, except for in these cases. And then he would say this amount of time occurred and then expand exactly what he meant by that. But those who were looking at it from just a piece of literature look at that and say, well, it looks like it's contradicting. And they use that as evidence that multiple stories were edited together for the complete product we have now. Anyway, so those are the three views. Um. Yeah. So before getting too far ahead of ourselves, one of the main arguments people have outside of that has to do with, is it the earth being punished with mankind? And that's important if you believe it's the whole earth being flooded, because yes, all creation was punished with it, right? Creation was once perfect. Now it's not. Thus, it's punished. However, a lot of people go to verses like Romans 8. 22 that says for we know the whole earth whole creation groans and suffers with 
the pains of childbirth together until now. And they use verses like that to say, yes, man was once perfect and then sinned and fell. However, creation has always kind of been in development. It's a progress. God's making it perfect still. And as such, God doesn't punish creation, he punishes man. Man's sin prevents creation from reaching its potential, and God punishes man. That's one of those beliefs of, is it all of creation, or is it just man being punished? You could disagree on that all day long, still be believers. At the end of the day, we are men. We need Jesus as a Savior. That's what matters. Right. Yeah. It is important that God has to punish sin. And it's important that we understand that the reason for doing so is because God's heart is eternally towards life. God wants life to happen. Sin causes death. We see that in the beginning of the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. Adam sinned. Next thing that happened, his sons murder each other. Right. Well, and more and more death happens. And that's sort of the beginning of what TJ just read in Genesis 6. Death is what is occurring. God wants that to stop. So he basically decides, wipe the slate clean. Let's punish me in sin so that life can occur. God's not punishing sin because he wants to kill everybody. He's punishing sin because in the end, more life happens. Like uh, that scene in The Lion King with Mufasa and Simba at the beginning. And they go through where the forest was burned down and Mufasa's like, yeah, look at this. Shows a new plant growing up. Mm-hmm. It's like that. God had to burn the forest, so to speak, so that new life could arise. Right. Yeah. And if we don't understand that part of God's character, why he punishes sin and why he cares about life, we can't understand why Jesus had to come in the first place. We can't be in Christian unity if we don't understand why Jesus exists. Right. Yeah. And uh, God does explain why he did this. Again, we already read it. Genesis 6, 1 through 8. And he talks about how he does regret what has happened. So, TJ, could you tell me? We're going we're gonna to have to jump forward now. Could you tell me some of the strengths and weaknesses to those three main views of the flood? Global, regional, and literal, and literary. Literarily? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That last one. Yeah, literarily. Okay, so the idea of a global flood uh, reinforces the doctrines that build from that story. From, you know, I had to how do we start everything? You know, we said one. Uh, <laughs> chiefly that sin is a universal fact of being human, but it ignores the science that suggests that there may not have been a flood of the whole earth. Uh, many try to use this flood narrative to explain why the earth seems so aged. Uh, this is called the flood geology. Uh, the problem most scientists have with this is that the aging process they use are based on chemical ratios not the quantities themselves. So no flood should impact that in a meaningful way. This is argued by some still, but some theologians still have a problem with this because if it were true, then flood geologists should have been able to convince more scientists of it by now. Uh, The idea of a more regional flood makes sense of the science and the fact that there are many other religions with global flood stories nearly identical to this one uh, some of which we have older copies of in the Bible, which, you know, or at least the biblical copy of this story. Yeah. And uh, proponents of this view look to places like Joshua 10 as examples of places in the Bible where the author's knowledge impacted the wording of the scripture rather than what literally happened. 
This view, however, has a difficult time accounting for the necessity in the point of this story that sin was and is universal. Do you know what Joshua 10 is? No. Okay. Joshua 10 is the part of the Bible where it says um, there was a war going on. And it said, yeah, God held the sun still. Well, today we know the, hun- the sun is always still. Mm-hmm. The earth is what's moving. Mm-hmm. So, which is a big argument for dynamic inspiration instead of mechanic dictation, right? Because if God literally took control of someone and said, I held the sun still, well, why would he do that? That's just not true. Well, technically, the sun does still move, but yeah. it doesn't revolve around us. Yeah. What happened was the earth was still. Mm-hmm. So they use that here as an example of, okay, similarly, since the human mind had to say what it was from its perspective, the same thing happened here. From the human's perspective, it was the whole earth. That's sort of what that's getting at. Right. Um, Because a limited perception alters your view on all of that. However, if the point of the story is that sin is universal, and God was like, no, this is all that I need to get, that's not really universal. Right. And so the view of the story being literature that was not meant to be literal makes sense of both the science and the other religious stories worldwide, and it can still maintain that the point of the story included the idea that sin is universal. Uh, proponents of this belief often point to the many other stories of a great flood, uh, found all over the world by various ancient groups. Uh, some even say that the story is a fundamental part of human imagination. Like, uh, it's not quite the same, but basically every civilization made up their own form of dragon at some point. Yeah. It, it's like that. Yeah, well, you know, water kills us all. And <laughs> <laughs> we all believe that for some reason. Uh, most notably, this flood narrative seems eerily similar to the stories of Gilgamesh and Atrahasis. Uh, most archaeologists believe these stories were even written earlier than the biblical story. Uh, also, civilizations like Sumer, uh, Mesopotamia, which is where Gilgamesh is. Yeah. Uh, you know, they had those stories even a lot before Gilgamesh. Was like, yep. Even a lot of Native flood American we tribes we found were mm-hmm. tell stories like that. Yeah. Proponents of this take on the story will say that the point of the passage lies in how different the theology of the story is compared to the others, rather than to the events themselves, or rather than the events themselves. As evidence, proponents of this belief would point to places in Genesis 6, 5 through 20, 7, 2 and 3, yeah. 7, 4, 3, 8, and 14, where the amount of time for some events and the number of animals on the ark contradict this to them suggests that there was more than one copy of the story that was edited together. However, this view brings into question whether God really punishes sin at all, if any of the Bible can be literally true, and whether the end times foreshadowing is real as well. Which, now that's a few real problems with... Yeah, yeah. If you can't believe any part of the Bible's literal, you can't believe that Jesus happened. Right. And you can't believe that the end is coming. Yeah, there's no point in Jesus. These are things that, if you don't believe, you can't be Christian. Ergo, can't have Christian unity. Yeah. Which is why the story is so important. Right. So, regardless of which view you take, we have to agree on the idea that sin was and is universal for us to understand the need for Christ, and we have to see that the events of Jesus' life were also 100% real, and that the end times foreshadowed are also real in some sense, if not 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which we'll get to whenever we finally make it to Revelation. You know, it's been a few yeah. months. We're still in Genesis. Ten so. years from now, <laughs> yeah. we talk about Revelations 1. Yeah, <laughs> we'll let you know. But if we can agree on the two, those two points, the point that sin is universal, or I guess three points, sin is universal, Christ is 100% real, and that third thing, the end times, right. then we can still have unity. Even if we disagree about how big the flood was or any of that, if we can agree on those three points, we're good. We're golden. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, also, quick side note. God has said to feel regret. Did you catch that when you were reading that? Yep. So I God, said it. God regretted something. Yeah, I said it on the podcast. That was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't mean God was wrong? No. Uh, it sounds like he might have been wrong. Why would he regret it if he was right? I don't know, man. He's God, not me. Yeah. So that's a big problem a lot of people have, right? Um, if you believe that God can change his mind, then he could just change his mind about what sin is. Ergo, no point in Christ. We seem to come to that conclusion a lot with different arguments about these passages, which is why the flood story is so big to a lot of people. But it is important to note that, and uh, basically most people will just say that because we're humans and because we only understand in human terms, God's feelings have to be put into human terms. So God does feel things, not the same as us, but we don't have good words to depict them because we're not God. Right. Yeah. That's pretty much that. So we'll um, we'll continue reading just a little bit more of this passage. So later on in Genesis 9, after the flood, it says, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the whole earth. So again, God's heart is for life. You see that. Not for death. Mm-hmm. We already said that. This just confirms it. Right. Uh, then um, later on, he, he talks about um, the blood. Did you catch that part? Uh, in... Genesis 9? Yeah. Hmm. yeah. It says every morning, so Genesis 9, 3 through 5, says every morning, every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I give all to you as I gave the green plant. Only you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Surely I will, and this is the important part, God is saying, surely I will require your life blood. From every beast, I will require it. And from every man, and from every man's brother, I will require the life of man. Right. This is the first really clear, in-your-face part of the Bible that says, hey, Jesus has to come soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because sin requires a blood covering. Mm-hmm. So with that, a lot of people also equate this, will also point to different parts of the scripture that talk about how the flood was sort of like baptism. Right. That is... Full body immersion, for sure. <laughs> I mean, the flood was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where, where in scripture was that? Uh, that was in First Peter uh, 3, 18 through 23. That reads, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God. Having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, uh, in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, uh, who were once disobedient, when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Uh, Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, 
but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers have been subjected to him. I still just think it's hilarious that Peter was like, no, it's not that you're taking a bath. Yeah, it's not a bath. <laughs> Clean yourself before you get baptized. Yeah. <laughs> I just like that Peter was kind enough to point out, mm -hmm. you should be clean when you get baptized. Yeah. yeah. Take a shower first, guys. Yeah. If, he, if he hadn't, he would be getting washed by priests yeah. during baptism. Yeah. But that scripture that TJ just read makes it very clear, which we've said over and over and over in this episode, right? That's why the flood story is so important. The flood represents how Christ died and rose again the exact same way the baptism does. So we have to get at least part of the flood story right to understand the passion story and to understand the end times. Yeah, right. That being said, it does talk about the end times. Genesis 8, 21, 22 reads, the Lord smelled the soothing aroma, and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth, and I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. And, and he goes on to say, while the earth remains, sea time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. God says, I will not destroy the earth again. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people will still say, well, he just meant he'll never flood it again. He'll, he'll burn it, sure but he won't flood it again. And that's where we get into our last disagreement that we'll talk about today is will God be the one who punishes mankind in the end or will man's sin bring the end times? And that's what a lot of people argue. A lot of people will point to, you know, talk about the earth on fire and stuff and say, Hey, global warming is in the Bible. It talks about man bringing upon the judgment of the earth and it talks about fire. And a lot of people say, hey, global warming is not real. God's just going to do it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, DJ, we can't disagree about that, can we? Uh, well, we can't know. Uh, <laughs> it's inferred many times throughout the Bible that man's own sin will bring about the end times. Uh, and it's written by uh, Golden Gay in a book. Look that up later. Uh, <laughs> God won't ever destroy the world again, but won't necessarily stop us from doing so. And, uh, you know, there are many places in the Bible where it's inferred that it'll be our fault. Yeah, that's his book, Biblical Theology, the name of that. Okay. This is always a point in tension amongst theologians. Does man cause revelation or will God? The answer is probably both, and this is not a topic that should divide us. However, if we cannot agree that this is in part because of man, at least because of the sin of man, then we get eschatology wrong. And that could lead us into missing the severity of sin, which could cause us to miss the need for Christ to save us. Yeah. So basically, what DJ's saying is, if you don't understand the importance of sin, you're going to get end time wrong, you're going to get the need of Christ wrong, all that, again, can't have Christian unity. But, you know, if you're like, well, I think God's going to do it. But you still understand the importance of sin and that man is what's causing God to have to do it. We could disagree all day. Doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what are our conclusions? We covered a lot of stuff here, DJ. Yeah. Well, it's important to keep in mind that while there are many different viewpoints on this subject, that they all do allow us to be brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, most of them. Most of them. The yeah. ones that don't straight up deny sin, yeah. at least. 
Or the reality of Christ. Or the reality of Christ. But, but, so basically, I, I actually wrote down a list. We can disagree only if we understand these things. The point of the story that is that sin is universal. We have to agree that God punishes sin for the sake of life and that blood is required for redemption. Again, we can disagree about the role man or God has in the end times, but only if we admit that God does not change his mind and that man's sin will be the ultimate reason for the end of the earth. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that we have to agree on or that we can disagree on, but there's a lot of points of tension in these chapters. Right. But we hope that this discussion has been helpful. And uh, that being said, I believe it's time for our outro. I had some train talks, but I'll skip those for now. Y'all will hear them soon. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we'd like to start with our God moment segment. We share a moment from our lives recently when God blessed us or challenged us. Would you like to go first, Josh? Yeah, sure. I was at Cumberland Island last week, mm-hmm. as many would know. And I had a few moments where I just got to be by myself on the ocean and pray. And it's just one of those, like, it's funny because, you know, the Bible talks about how Jesus went out to the wilderness and prayed. You know, Paul did that or whatever. And I don't know. There is something special about being alone in creation, talking to the God of creation, the God of life. We talked about so much today, right? And uh, I don't know, it really moved me, kind of refocused me, re-energized me for what I need to do. So that was good stuff. Right. How about you, DJ? Oh, well, uh, I, I guess it's a bit of a challenge. My mother has bronchitis, uh, and it seems to be severe. So we're praying for that. Yeah, yeah it's uh, yeah. That's just something that has been laid upon our lives recently. Yeah. Bit of a challenge there. That is a challenge. Um, I'm going to do the first future guest because we had to reschedule Pastor Alan Rhodes, as, as you know. Mm-hmm. So we're actually going to be talking next week to Pastor Luke Kors, who is, uh, I forget where he's a pastor of now, but uh, he went to a Baptist college came and was an associate pastor at a church of God of Prophecy, Pentecostal church that me and TJ are a part of, and is now back being a pastor of a um, Baptist church in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also got Andrew Croft of the World Watch Weekly Podcast uh, with Open Doors Canada. Uh, Caroline Harris of the uh, Couple of Hope Podcast. And uh, of course, at the end of the season, we're going to have Francis Chan. Does he know? Uh, no. Uh, he will know. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Can't wait for that. Day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you email them every day. No, I never. I would love to find out that was true. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this whole time, TJ's been trying really hard for that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, head on over to Patreon if you want to hear what's next, which is where I'll ask TJ something really fun. Do-do-do-do-do-do. Bye. Mm-hmm.